It's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022, and this is episode 100 of Talk Commerce. Business owners and entrepreneurs are known for their energy. They focus on ideas, but frequently that energy is sedentary. Brent interviews Taryn Gessel, or better known as Triathlon Taryn. Taryn went from an Ironman and YouTube sensation to a tech startup with an exciting and disruptive app called Motive. This virtual coaching app helps athletes focus on what they need to focus on, while still give them the flexibility to live their busy lives. Taryn's app has made it through the beta version, and after a number of years, he is on his first round of funding. There's a lot to learn and unpack in this episode. This is an entrepreneur's fun journey and an Iron Man adventure. And now, your free joke. Who's the coolest guy in the hospital? The ultrasound guy. Who takes over when he's on holiday? The hip replacement guy. (laughs) The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers, too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Daughter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. This is the activity edition, and I have Taryn Kazell. Taryn, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us what you do in your day-to-day life, and maybe one of your passions. Oh, thanks for having me here, Brent. Uh, the thing that people would best know me for if they look me up online would be this YouTube channel that I started about seven years ago called Triathlon Taryn. And I started a YouTube channel while I was an investment advisor as my day job because I just wanted something on the side that was fulfilling and creative. And I thought that if I really knocked it out of the park, maybe I could get some free energy bars at some point in my life. It ended up growing to being now the second largest triathlon YouTube channel in the world, the largest triathlon podcast in the world. We've published four books. We have expanded into the main thing that we focus on now, where I'm the CEO of a app called the Motive Training App that helps regular people get to their endurance races. So whether they want to train for 
triathlons or running races or cycling events or duathlons, we have an app that now is hopefully as good as a one-on-one coach, but as cheap as doing it yourself, which has never existed in this world. And we want to make getting to those exciting finish lines uh, that endurance sports really are a little bit more accessible in the world. That's great. Thank you. And I will admit that I found you because I'm a triathlete. I'm a, a very poor triathlete. I'm a very, very poor swimmer. I'm an avid runner and I'm an okay biker. I think I saw one of your videos. We did our first half Ironman last year as a family, my daughter, my wife, and I. It was one of the best experiences. I had absolutely so much fun. Uh, and I've run a lot of marathons. It took me longer believe it or not, than a marathon. But I had so much fun in the race and even the swim part, I had such a great time. That's how we found each other. One of the things that, that really stuck out was the fact that you've pivoted from this uh, role of being a coach or what you were doing with your YouTube channel into this app that you've built. Maybe tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I recognized that life on YouTube is a little fleeting. You get about 15 minutes of fame and there comes a point where your channel maybe just starts to feel a little stale. Maybe in my case, I've said a lot of the same things for seven years. I'm also getting older. And a lot of YouTubers find that their channel lifespan is finite. So I recognized that was happening about four years ago, just in general in the YouTube space. And I didn't want to go back to having a real job. I wanted to still stay in this industry and think about what could I do that would be lasting as a career, as a business, and what was needed in the world. And I saw one of the things that people need the most help with is coaching and advice to get to their finish lines. But what I saw was the two options that are out there for people that want to get advice on how to train for an endurance event is either a $200 a month one-on-one -on -one coach or a free template training plan. Both options suck for most people because the average person doesn't want to spend two to $3,000 a year or more on a hobby just for coaching, let alone all the biking equipment and the wetsuit. It, it just gets to be too expensive. So most people don't use one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then template training plans are not motivating, they're not relevant to the user, they're not customizable. And what happens if you have two races in a row and you've got a marathon and a triathlon and the training overlaps? What do you do with those template training plans? And nobody's ever looked at solving this problem. So we launched a Kickstarter about three and a half years ago to see if people were interested in something like this app. And I sold the Kickstarter campaign literally just off of a Google spreadsheet that I mocked up to prototype my way into showing what an app could possibly do. And now three and a half years later, we're finally scaling up. We're raising our first significant round of investment. And I think that we can build something that is comparable to what Duolingo did for language learning. That's what we want to do for endurance training. We want to make it something that isn't a real niche sport. We want to make it something that everyone can access because it's easier to get solid training and, and more cost-effective to get solid training, which it hasn't ever been. So that's what we're working on right now. That's the future of the business, of my YouTube channel, and um, really just trying to make sure that I 
prove my mother wrong and continue to play for a living. And the app was the way that, that I could continue to do that while having a good effect in the endurance community. I, I love that story. I, I know myself personally, I do have a, a running coach who helps me and holds me accountable. And, and I do see though, that where you can get stuck in a rut, even with a coach, what, what are some of the pain points that your app has been able to overcome in bridging the gap between a training peaks, 80, 20 plan mm -hmm. and a one-on-one -on -one coach. And I'll say too, I, mine's just a running coach. And I know that there's a lot more involved in a triathlon coach. That is actually a perfect example of one of the biggest problems. Most users of our app and frankly, most endurance athletes are like you. They want to bounce between marathons or half marathons and triathlons. And the fact of the matter is that most one-on-one -on -one coaches are single sport coaches. They're run coaches or triathlon coaches or cycling coaches, and they don't go across all disciplines. So that's an issue that we had to solve with our app. We partnered with some of the best run, cycling, triathlon, um, duathlon, swim run coaches in the world and created algorithms to make the plans that each of those great coaches put together coordinate with each other. So that was one problem that we had to solve. A second one is that there are a lot of really great one-on-one -on -one coaches out there, but there's also a lot of really terrible one-on-one -on -one coaches out there who charge $200 a month and essentially make a template training plan. And the story that a lot of people resonate with is they might go to their one-on-one -on -one coach, wake up in the morning and go, hey, Carl, I feel really bad. What should I do today? And Carl, the coach goes, this is part of training, continue on. And you go, I really feel bad. There are going to be low moments in training, continue on. And really what's happening is the coach doesn't know what's going on in your body. And the coach doesn't want to go through readjusting your plan every single time you have a nick or a niggle or feel a little bit tired. What we can do with technology and now the data that is being collected by things like the whoop band and the aura ring, we can adjust training every single day. If users drink a bottle of wine, we can make their workout the very next morning easier for them. If they are trending down and not keeping up with the train and feeling sore, we can detect that and actually get training that is better than a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaches and doing the things that really good one-on-one -on -one coaches do, the ones that so we'll charge three, five, fifteen hundred dollars, but we're doing it in a way that we can charge fourteen to twenty bucks a month. So there were a couple of major problems that we had to solve, and those two are our primary ones that weren't really being serviced even by most one-on-one -on -one coaches with the current service model. I just, I'm pretty sure my wife now is signed up for your app because she does drink a bottle of wine with me every night. And that's probably why she's getting up in the morning thinking that she can take it easy. And I'm joking because she's probably going to listen to this. I think from experience, I can say I did go through the coaching training last year with RRCA, the Roadrunners Club of America. And that was one of the warnings that they give coaches. I know also that coaches either haven't been through that training can fall into that rut of not listening. And especially right now with, with online and not even actually seeing anybody in person, you end up with somebody that's in a different city that doesn't connect with you or never has connected with you. From I'm, what I'm hearing is that there's some technology behind that's listening to your body. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and is there a certain amount of technology that the user has to have to be able to, like, you'd have to have, a, I have a stride pod and mm-hmm. I have uh, power pedals. I have all the dumb things that somebody with enough money could buy that doesn't ever use all that data. But I, what I'm hearing you saying is that some of those things are of, of value and they add that value and then you can get back. And like my Garmin account is a great example. I can go and see what my power was or my FTP was in my bike ride. I have no idea how to use any of that stuff. I should because I'm a coach, but I don't know how to use that for myself. So I, not to get into a bunch of technical details on an e-commerce podcast, but it's very interesting on in how it's almost like in AI, like in artificial intelligence, helping the users to know, and then the system is learning as it goes for each. That's a big issue that you're talking about with the entire industry that we're collecting heart rate data, we're collecting power data, we're collecting HRV data now, resting heart rate data, all of these things. And the Garmin's, the Whoops, the Auras of the world, they all basically just collect the data and then tell you, oh, here's what it is. But nobody really is interpreting it and saying, here's what you should be doing. Whoop is a great example. I, I like the Whoop band, but they say, here's your readiness score. And if your readiness score is in the tank, great. Okay. What do you do with that? Does that mean that you change your workout? When does it mean that, like, how in the tank does it need to be to change your workout? So that's what we're able to do is pair a lot of that data with what you actually should be doing as an endurance athlete on the day. And that's a big piece that's been. I want to pivot a little bit of just that maybe our listeners are business owners who are sitting in their at their desk. Maybe talk about if you're not already really into doing some fitness things the importance of doing something other than just typing on your computer. Do you ever ever get stuck in not going and doing some exercise? Are you a type of person who has to get out and do something in addition to doing your day-to-day business work? No, I came from a very unfit upbringing and a very, very, even add a few more varies, unfit early 20s in my life. A lot of drinking. I was quite overweight, about 215 pounds. And I got rid of a little bit of weight in my mid-20s by going into the gym and throwing some weights around and eating chicken breast and bland rice, the things that young kids do when they think that they're bodybuilders. But there were a couple of things about it that were never quite right and I think are very meaningful to the average person whether they're a business owner or really just anyone who wants a little bit more from life, that feeling that you talked about when you stepped up to a start line of a triathlon being different than stepping up to the start of a race, I think a running race is really fulfilling. That feeling of a little bit of fear of not knowing if you're going to be able to accomplish the task ahead of you being a triathlon or a long running race or a marathon swim or something like that, A, it gives you a lot of structure and motivation to be healthy. And B, it gives you a lot of fulfillment when you complete that task. It's like selling a business or achieving a huge milestone in the business. It's going through a process of seeing what you are capable of doing and being able to do it and astounding yourself. And in my case, it made me more confident. It allowed me to start this business. It allowed me to have the confidence to put myself out there on YouTube and put my thoughts out there in the world. 
So it's less to me about, all right, do you age? Well, because so many people talk about that, but I think the unsung hero in endurance sports is the confidence and fulfillment and structure that you get from that little bit of fear of knowing that you have to step up to the start line of a race and not know if you're going to be able to finish it. And frankly, the, the things that are going on inside your head at the start of the race are, am I going to come out of this alive? Yes, the answer is for sure, you will, but it's exciting. And we don't really get that excitement in this day and age anywhere. We can get it in endurance sports. Yeah, and maybe not so much excitement from a marathon, although if you're in a, the excitement going into a triathlon, because you even if like I'm from Minnesota, so northern Minnesota, there's some races and in the summer, those lakes get dark sometimes and it's gets it gets imposing when you're going across a white capped lake and you have to go out a mile and come back or something. So the structure that you said is what I really want to key in on, because I think most entrepreneurs or business owners have to have some kind of structure or they just wing it. And the ones that wing it are unbelievably lucky to make it. And when they do make it, they have to put some structure into it. So I think that by doing some of these things to get fit, and let's just say all you want to do is a couch to five, that structure you're putting into place and that goal you're setting to get there is going to be a fulfilling. And then the fulfilling, the next piece of that fulfillment is that most likely you're going to be a little bit more fit at the end of that goal. Mm -hmm. And you're going to change how you feel about yourself. I use the example that I've just recently come across of while we're doing fundraising, as opposed to going the traditional venture capital route, we are going to individuals. And we could talk about another time about why we're doing that, but I'm looking for individuals who are endurance athletes and could write a decent sized check. And I started thinking, how do I actually go about finding these people? I say, can I just search for them? So in quotes, I have triathlete in quotes, and then LinkedIn, and then president in quotes. And sure enough, the amount of people that have triathlete or ultra runner or ultra marathoner in their LinkedIn bio is enormous. That doesn't happen with golf, maybe with CrossFit, but there are very few things in this world that become a part of who you are and that people want to celebrate and display to the world in the same way that endurance sports gets displayed and advertised. And I think that's because it is such an impactful thing in people's lives. So yes, again, all of the good health is great, but the confidence, the fulfillment, the, the structure of having a reason to be healthy, it's all so powerful. And I want more people to be able to experience that sort of power of changing and improving one's life. I think that fear part is another one that's always the fear in a good way, the fear of, of trying something new and the fear of failing and even the acceptance of, hey, I'm going to go out and do this swim. Let's just say you're going to sign up for a 5K swim. And if I don't make it, there's going to be a boat there to pick me up. Mm -hmm. If the weather gets big and I know there's a swim, like the Point de la Pointe is one I want to do. It's from Madeline Island to, to wherever. Cross Lake Superior, two miles. And last year they had three foot waves. 
So a lot of people had to drop out. But the, just the idea of doing it and, and stepping in and, and making that extra effort to put yourself out of what your comfort zone is, I think makes you a better entrepreneur because in your entrepreneurial life, in order to grow, you can't be stagnant and always doing the same thing. And I believe there's such a tie-in from being active in your physical life to being active in your mental life, to being active in your business life. They all tie together. And I think you're right. And I'm going to say something that will probably get a lot of people upset. I don't like CrossFit. And I don't see the big point in CrossFit. <laughs> you're standing in a place and then you might do a 100-yard run. Like I run past a CrossFit gym and I see them sprint out and they come back and they sprint back. And maybe I'll run five miles down the trail and come back. And, and they're still sprinting out and whatever. But... The idea of that identity and then the idea of, of being able to put yourself into somewhere that you're uncomfortable. And maybe the one of the differences, too, from the gym to an ultra race is that you're putting yourself into somewhere uncomfortable for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So your half Ironman is more like three hours. Mine is more like six. But that's you're still out on the course a long time. But close. <laughs> <laughs> You could be, who's the guy that just got the, the world record? He did his full Ironman in less yeah. than seven hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blumenfeld there in 721. Crazy. <laughs> Only the Norwegian can do such things. Exactly. So I, I can see the tie-in. I'm a big proponent of keeping people active. And my business life has been around having some balance between that. Uh, so maybe if you could... Bringing us back to your app then, you've transitioned from your YouTube into this app and now you're trying to raise capital. That's where you're at in your business journey. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, are you in a beta? Where are you on your app now? So we launched three years ago, a little bit over three years ago, and it was in beta for about a year and a half. The beta was public. And because I was still doing the YouTube channel and have this nice big audience, we were always able to drive a certain amount of users to it, enough users that we could start getting data and collecting user feedback on where we needed to go with the app. And then a year and a half ago, we rebranded, we rebuilt the entire app, uh, completely new architecture, completely new uh, programming language so that we could scale the app because we had grabbed enough, got enough data from our users to have an actual business thesis of what would scale up, what are users looking for. Things as simple as, like you mentioned, AI. We did, started doing a lot of market testing of what do athletes think when they hear that their plans are generated by machine learning or artificial intelligence. It's actually a detriment. So learning things like that is important. That isn't to say that we won't use AI. It just means that we don't lead with it in our marketing. So learning all the things like that about what increases engagement, what is a good price to come in at, what is a way to make people feel that the app is working and that they actually develop confidence so that by the time they get to the race, they're confident that they're going to be able to get across that finish line. So we've been gathering all of that for three years and we've bootstrapped all but a small little friends and family round that we raised at the beginning of last year. 
But now it's time to start unrolling some of the features that we think are fairly groundbreaking in the industry. And we don't want to do those slowly. We don't want to do those in a bootstrap fashion and basically announce to the world what the playbook is. We want to be able to come out, grab market share, because we've probably got about a 24 to 36 month window before competitors catch on to what we're doing. And we want to use that to aggressively launch the features set that we want to create and capture market share quickly. So that's where we're at right now. Are you seeing a community as an important part of the experience from the user? And I, yes. I say it from, uh, I, I used to use an app called the Daily Mile. It was something mm -hmm. that was super popular 10 years ago. They just really put no money into their app and it just ended up fizzling out. But the best part of that is that it created a community and it was more about how your posts look. And I, I do remember my wife complaining like, oh, you're going to go do your post about your run <laughs> because it was a social thing. And yeah. because you had people who actually cared about what you're doing, it turned into less Facebook. Hey, look at the marathon I did too. Here's the marathon I did, or here's my run and here's the struggles I had, or here's the exciting part about what I had. And it was a commonality in that community. Yeah. That you don't get on Strava. Strava, you can give somebody a kudos or you say, hey, great run. But for whatever reasons, there's a piece that you miss in the social part of it that's between coaching and between support. Mm -hmm. And it's about your own people or your group of people that are supporting you in your activity. So it's interesting that you say that. We launched on day one with a social media feed. And my core belief was that training for yourself and solely for yourself wasn't as fulfilling as training for yourself, but with other people. That human element is something that is so hardwired into us, whether it is seeing success in other people and being motivated by it, or achieving success in yourself and getting those kudos or, or the accolades from achieving something that you never achieved before is really important. And I look at an app like Zwift. So if people don't know, Zwift is a training app where you hook your bike up to a smart trainer and the smart trainer communicates with the app and you cycle inside this virtual world alongside other people. Now, had Zwift launched and you biked around this virtual world by yourself, it would be marginally better than staring at a wall or watching Netflix while you're on your bike, but not immensely better. But the experience that Zwift launched with was you cycle inside this virtual world and so is everyone else. So when people pass you, you have an encouragement to go a little bit faster and you can enter a race and there's people all around you. You get ride ons from everyone that is riding around you. There are achievements and badges that you can go and collect that other people get to see how far along you've come. And then all of a sudden it's immensely better than just training by yourself, staring at a wall. So our competitors and where the industry of online endurance training has gone is really just creating that virtual world where people are training by themselves. The problem that they're all trying to solve is how do we automate training? Well, I can tell you we've already solved automated training and it isn't enough to change people's habits. So our entire scale up thesis is we've already automated training. We've figured out all of that logic and that programming language to be able to make that happen. 
but how do we actually make it such that all of the users have this community experience? They get some of those good things from CrossFit or from a in-person training club. That sense of community is really what keeps people around and keeps people very motivated to continue to come back. So it is the entire thesis of our business, that community aspect of it. Without that, we've just got empty training that people are doing solo and suffering by themselves. How, so just, and I, I apologize. I should have used the app before I came to the interview. I apologize for you. that. How I'm not, you've, you've sparked my interest. I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So I've been injured and I haven't been running for about a week. And so I've switched to biking. And so my coach is a running coach. So now she's given me some biking workouts that I, I, I actually I find quite fun. But because I'm on and I'm on Rovi, which is just like Zwift, but you get to bike in <laughs> I get to bike in Hawaii all the time now. So w what happens to me is that I see that person, then I'm like I can bike as hard as that person, and then on my easy days I find myself biking way harder than I should. So if I get I'm told I bike between 100 and 150 watts or whatever. I'm at 200 or 250 or some stupid number that, and I know that I know these are very small numbers for you, but that I'm overdoing myself, and then I don't get a lot of feedback after that. So would the would like your app would give you an opportunity to say, hey, ease back or? Yeah, if... our app will give people not any sort of strict guidance where people will be, say, penalized for not following the app to the letter. I think that people need enjoyment. They need to be able to have some free play time essentially where they can go and if a workout says 60 minutes but they're feeling great and wanna go for 90, cool. Where we will start giving people guidance is when they start going off the training plan too many times, be it in the intensity or in the duration or in what they're actually doing in the workout, we will have indications of you might be less likely to reach your goal. So we will give that guidance of being able to do that and it will not necessarily motivate people to only follow the plan, which I don't really believe is reasonable, It'll give people motivation and guidance to maybe not just fall too far outside the rails and have a bad race day. As long as they're keeping a hard ride hard, an easy ride, relatively easy most of the time, strength days are still strength days, rest days are still rest days, people are going to still reach their goals. And we want to give that latitude while we're giving the 100% guidance but give them the ability to make make smart choices, make adult choices. If you want to go and turn a 60-minute easy ride into a 60-minute easy ride with 15 minutes really hard at the end, we'll tell you if that is becoming detrimental. Yeah, so at the macro level, rather than trying to micromanage the individual workouts, it sounds like what you're saying, which is I, I think that's a great approach to how you're doing that. And as we tie this back to business, um, Often entrepreneurs tend to get stuck in the details of a thing and they can't see the bigger picture. So as we kind of bring this full circle 
tying it back into a business standpoint or, or even in your app standpoint, if you were to focus on some small bits of code and you're missing that picture of community or something like that, you're missing the big picture, you're going to miss out on what your goal is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Whether it is training or what we're building, say, with our analytics dashboard, I like what you're talking about, that we're looking at large, big indicators of the health of an individual or the health of your business, as opposed to fussing about all of the very, very small, minute details. I think the the small, minute details are things that you do need to work on. We're obsessing right now about the time that it takes people to get through our sign-up flow. But the reason that we started looking at that was because we started looking at larger numbers. Is our churn too large for our um, for the amount of people that we're bringing in? And if the answer is yes, okay, where are the leaky buckets? Yeah, as opposed to getting stuck in the weeds of every single detail, just focusing on the big picture numbers, which then led us and me in fitness and in business to starting to narrow down what weeds we look at after looking at the big picture. Not to keep harping on it, but that idea of having those metrics in place and measuring it and remeasuring it and testing it, it's exactly the same across both business and exercising and training for an event. If you don't measure something you've done, you're not going to know if you've achieved that goal. That's obvious in a running race, but in business sometimes, and I'll take marketing as an example, a lot of times people just think marketing is marketing and I'm going to put some social media posts up and I'm going to do a, a post on LinkedIn and that's my marketing and whatever happens, or I'll spend $5,000 on Google ads and we'll see what happens. I don't know. And then they don't look and see how well they performed. So I think to tie all this back, even the idea of looking back at your your workouts to see how well you performed, it's always good to, to have a, a measurement or a commonality in that measurement. The mode is like the Google Analytics, could I say, of, of the running triathlete world and that those analytics are telling you certain things about your fitness and your training. Did I make that bold step? Um, maybe. I've never <laughs> thought about it that way. But as you were saying that, one thing that came to mind was a big thing that we believe in with our method of endurance training is taking care of the entire body, looking at every system as important as all of other the other systems. That isn't the case with most sports that people do, whether it's CrossFit and focusing basically entirely on strength and explosive power or yoga, focusing exclusively on nothing but being flexible or running and cycling, focusing on being aerobically fit. Most sports tend to leave out the rest of every other system. What we like to do is look at the digestive system, the musculoskeletal system with strength training, the heart and lungs, the cardiovascular system with the aerobic training. And how do we get a training app and a training philosophy to address all of those together? Because they all do need to work together. If you don't have uh, healthy heart and lungs, but you're super strong, hey, you might be able to run really fast to the end of the block, 
but you're not going to be able to run any further than that. Vice versa for people who are really aerobically fit, but not very strong. I look at marketing as exactly the same thing that it's not enough just to buy some Google ads. You have to buy Google ads and then retarget people on Facebook. You have to not just have Google ads, but then you also have to have content. So content marketing, when people come to your website, if they don't sign up, if people end up maybe signing up for the app, then you have to start thinking about how good is the onboarding flow that the entire system of marketing and of business has to be looked at as a whole in the same way that the body has to be looked at as an entire system. And if you're just focusing on one thing, I don't think you're really going to get great results in fitness or business. It's gotta be looked at as this entire cohesive system. That's great, yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. So we have a couple minutes left. At the end of uh, the podcast, I give everybody an opportunity to do a shameless plug about <laughs> anything you'd like to plug today. <laughs> and go ahead and, and plug whatever you... The app would be the biggest thing. And I'm not saying that endurance sports is the key to everyone's happiness. But if people feel a bit of a sense of unfulfillment and want to challenge themselves physically, I can't think of a better place to do it but endurance, in endurance sports because it is so fulfilling. It's so rewarding. When you have a well-designed endurance sports training plan, it does address your heart health, your lung health, your strength health, your mental health, your emotional health, your digestive health, all of those things should be addressed in a really well-designed training plan. And when you cross that finish line, you're gonna be really happy that you challenged yourself. So I think we have one of the best offerings of any endurance sports app in the world right now and it's only getting better. This is a year that we've been building up towards over the last three years. So I'm really excited for everyone that's on the app. And if people sign up over the next couple of months, they're gonna see a lot of things that start getting rolled out with all of our features over this year. Yeah, and I will just add on that now, as races start opening up and, and the world starts getting back to normal, this is a great time to train for a race, to sign up for a race, to do a race. And apps uh, like yours help people to track and build those habits that then turn into something that is part of your lifestyle. And I think there's always a joke about how do you know if somebody is a marathon runner? They'll tell you how many marathons. Did, how do you know how many? They'll tell you. So just like you said in the LinkedIn example, it's part of their persona. I'll have to look at my LinkedIn. I don't know if I say, I definitely my Twitter, I tell you how many marathons I've run and I've run <laughs> five majors. I only have one left, which is Tokyo 2023. They'll tell you what, what those are. This is a great way to get into those habits and build healthy habits. My dad is 83. He ran until he was 75. Oh, he nice. still tracks his miles walking. He's His goal is 700 miles a year walking this still. it It is well documented that being active is better than being sedative and as much as much fun as it is, is sitting on the couch watching netflix drinking beer and eating cheetos it is equally as fun in for in some people's minds either biking for 56 miles or 112 miles and then running a marathon and by the way before i'm starting that i'm going to swim for a uh, two miles yeah a little while uh, 
<laughs> yeah, a little warm up. So, you know, that there's there's an equal amount of like in both of those for the type of people and some of those behaviors are are learned behaviors and you don't have to do a marathon. You can do 5Ks and there's an incredibly amount of fulfillment in doing a sprint triathlon and my whole family is into sprint triathlons and it's now turned into a, a family thing that we do together. I'm just going to go back to having that place to track those habits is so important because you know how well you've done. Yeah, and having a community of other people who are also going towards similar goals. Community is very important that without a community around you to support you, things are going to be really hard. Without a community around you to celebrate your wins, things are also going to be really hard. The community aspect of things, sharing in other people's successes and other people sharing in yours, it makes it so much more fulfilling. That's when you start getting the people that have triathlete in their LinkedIn bio because it becomes part of their identity. And it's not to say they can't ever have beers or pizza or Cheetos or whatever it is, but you can offset that a little bit by doing something for 60 minutes in the morning, challenge yourself and feel really good for the rest of the day and really proud of what you did every single day and string a few days like that together and you're going to be able to step up to a start line that you never expected you'd be able to. Taryn Cazell, I thank you so much for being here today. I will put the links to your app in the show notes so people can go there, sign up. And I look forward to, to someday participating in a race with you. Maybe Ooh, yeah. the half Ironman in Kona or Lava Man to... or something. Yeah. What's that? Life is getting back to normal. We got to start thinking about that again. This is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Me, Brent. You're welcome. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been a pleasure to be your host today. Please sign up for our newsletter platforms at talk-commerce.com. Rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce wherever you download your podcasts. New shows out every week.